Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for Romans chapter 7. The heading reads, The law of Moses is fulfilled in Christ. Paul delights in the, in the law of God after the inward man. Robert Millett said, Gross misunderstanding is frequently the result of reading Romans chapter 7 without the invaluable assistance of the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. It is to the modern seer, Joseph Smith, that we turn for profound insights, the restoration of plain and precious truths, either of content or of intent. The Joseph Smith translation stresses man's inabilities to effect righteousness without Christ. Verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man only as long as he liveth? The law of Moses is like a deceased husband, just as a woman is not being unfaithful to a deceased husband by remarrying, neither is modern Israel unfaithful to the law of Moses by transferring allegiance to the Savior. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband only as long as he liveth. But, but it, for if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Paul was an absolute genius at devising illustrations to drive home his gospel teachings. Here he compares Israel's allegiance to the law of Moses with that of a wife to her husband. As long as her husband lives, the wife is bound to him, must obey his laws, and if she be with another man, she is an adulteress. But when the husband dies, he can no longer direct her actions, and she is free to marry another. She can no longer be subject to him that is dead. So with Israel and the law. As long as the law lived and was therefore in force, Israel was married to it and required to obey its provisions. If she went after other gods or followed other religions, it was an adultery. But now the law is fulfilled, it no longer lives, it has become dead in Christ, and Israel is married to another, even to Christ, whose gospel law must now be obeyed. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye shall be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins... Which were, by, which were not according to the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, wherein we were held, being dead to the law, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. In theology, concupiscence refers to the orientation, inclination, or innate tendency of human beings to do evil. For without the law, sin was dead. For once I was alive without transgression of the law. But when the commandment of Christ came, sin revived and I died. And when I believed not the commandment of Christ which came, which was ordained to life, I found it condemned me unto death, for sin, taking occasion, denied the commandment, and delivered me, and by it I was slain. Nevertheless, I found the law to be holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. 
was that was then that which is good made death unto me god forbid but sin that i might appear sin that it might appear sin by that which is good working death in me that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful for we know that the commandment is spiritual but when i was under the law i was yet carnal sold under sin but now i am spiritual for that which i am commanded to do i do and that which i am commanded not to allow i allow not i allow not for what i know is not right I would not do for that which is sin i hate that i do if then i do not that which i would not allow i consent unto the law that it is good and i am not condemned now then it is no more i i that do let me start that one over now that it is no more that i do sin but i seek to subdue that sin which dwelleth in me for i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for the will is present with me but to perform that which is good, I find not only in Christ. We can only be righteous with Jesus' help. The good that I would have done, that I would have done when under the law, I find not to be good, therefore I do it not. But the evil which I would not do under the law, I find to be good, that I do. Now, if I do that through the assistance of Christ, I would not be, I would not do under the law, I am not under the law, and it is no more that I seek to, to do wrong, but to subdue sin that dwelleth in me. I find then that under the law, that when I do good, evil was present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And now I see another law, even the commandment of Christ. And it is imprinted in my mind, but my members are warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So let's uh, talk more about this. Brigham Young said, when we receive the gospel, a warfare commences immediately. Paul says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. We have to fight continually, as it were, sword in hand, to make the spirit master of the tabernacle or the flesh subject to the law of the spirit. If this warfare is not diligently prosecuted, then the law of sin prevails, and in consequence of this, some apostatize from the truth when crossing the plains, learn to swear instead of to pray become high-minded and high-tempered instead of learning to be patient and humble. And when they arrive in these valleys, they feel so self-sufficient that they consider themselves the only ones that are really right. They are filled with darkness. The authority of the Spirit is not listened to, and the law of sin and death is the ruling power in their tabernacles. They could once testify by the revelation of Jesus Christ to them that Mormonism or the gospel is true. Then the Spirit triumphed over the flesh. They walked in the Spirit in the light of God, and great was their joy, and brilliant then hope of immortality and eternal life. The rule of the flesh brings darkness and death, while on the other hand, the rule of the Spirit brings light and life. When through the gospel, the Spirit of man has so subdued the flesh that he can, he can live without, without willful transgression, the Spirit of God unites with his Spirit. They become congenial companions, and the mind and will of the Creator is thus transmitted to the creature. Verse 24, And if I subdue not the sin which is in me, but with the flesh shall serve the law of sin, O wretched man that I am, oops, oh yeah, that's part of it, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Alexander Morrison said, The cultivation of Christ-like qualities is a lifelong struggle, demanding and relentless and is in calling forth the very best in us, stretching our souls. Who, was, who has a harder battle than he who strives to conquer himself? And this must be our endeavor in a word to subdue ourselves day by day to gain the mastery of self and make progress towards something better. 
The struggle for self-mastery is not a battle for we fight only once. In one form or another, we must strive every day of our lives if we are to toil the pilgrim's path to perfection. Thorns, briars, and noxious weeds abound along the path. Yet he who stands with beckoning arms at the end of our journey gives us daily strength as we look to him for guidance. Paul's lament over the natural man was a reflection of his life under the law of Moses before he became converted to Christianity. The law of Moses gave Paul no power to control the natural man, but when he accepted the atonement of Jesus Christ, he was enabled to fight the natural man in ways he had never experienced before. That's why Bruce Satterfield. Bruce R. McConkie noted, the fact is that the philosophical problems facing his Roman readers were wholly different from those with which we wrestle today. We do not have the mosaic background and are not concerned with how the law of Moses died in Christ. We are not confronted with the problem of rationalizing away the, those performances which had been drilled into Israel for 1,500 years. We are not faced with the problem of showing that the gospel grew out of the Mosaic order. Nonetheless, Paul's argument, given of old, does have worth and merit for us. It enables us to get an overall view of God's dealings with men. It helps us understand better what we do have in the revealed religion which has come to us. In effect, Paul is saying that the law of Moses was good in its day, that God gave it for a purpose, but that now it is dead, and in place thereof God has given a higher law to which all men must now turn for salvation. Elder Holland said, Too often we are also in servitude to our own bodies. Paul said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in, in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. I don't mean just the dramatic sins, the anger that leads to murder, or the passion that leads to sexual transgression, or the lust that leads to theft. There are more common kinds of bondage than these. The war in the body of someone who is little is a little overweight that makes him huff and puff by the time he gets to the top of the stairs. The war of the mattress on his back that he somehow cannot shake in the morning, so he misses those precious and most inspirational hours of the day. The war of groaning, uh, the war of grooming and personal hygiene that could be made that could do much for us. All these are restrictive to our freedom if we don't control them. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord then, that so with the mind I myself serve the law of God. That was uh, the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.